This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The Sharp Tank. No jumper. Sharpest, coolest podcast in the world. And today, we got a real hip-hop Hall of Fame legend in the building, ladies and gentlemen. We got my man E-Love in the building today. What's good? What's good, y'all? Man. How's it going? Everything's good? Everything is good, good. man. Talk to me, man. How's life been? Let's uh, try man, to start it off like that. Life been great for me. Mm-hmm. Back and forth to Tokyo. I brought Stanley there 2016. For the mm. first Tokyo International Comic Con, we brought Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Stan Lee, the late great founder of Marvel, Stan Lee. How did you get hooked up with him? Well, I'm in Tokyo. I'm developing a video game called Fearless D. It's uh-huh. a drift driving VR racing game. Ah. Uh, right? Right. I'm with you. The face of my game is a guy by the name of the Drift King. He's the guy that started the Fast and Furious. That's why they named him Tokyo Drift. The third wow. one, it's called Tokyo Drift. That's right. my driver of my game. So I told my VC, right after they gave me a mail, uh, you know what, I'm going to bring Stanley here. Pay a million dollars. A million dollars. Two days after they saw my trailer. When they saw my trailer, they was like, wow, you guys made this? I flew five engineers from Utah over to Tokyo to make my video game. It's a drift driving game called Fearless D, right? Right. So we're in Tokyo, five guys with working night and day, making different apps, trying to move the car. We built an incredible car. Mm-hmm. Long story short, two weeks later, we had the trailer going two times around the track. This is 2015. Aquas is, they're not even there yet, right? So we had the first game like that. When they saw it, they said, we put a million dollars tomorrow. Gave me a million dollars two days later. I said, I'm going to do the first Tokyo International Comic Con. I'm going to bring Stanley, Jeremy Renner. They said, no, you're not. That's why. We reached out to Stanley numerous times. Stan would never call us back. So let me get my phone. <laughs> I got right. Stanley on the horn, put him up on the big board. <laughs> hey, Stan, Comic-Con in December, you free? Uh, third week I'm available. $2 million in my account tomorrow. I had Stanley in five days. First Tokyo International Comic-Con. You had to, did y'all have to pay Stanley to get him out there? Yeah. Or did he? yeah, I cut the deal right there and there on the spot. Put him up on the Zoom. I said, Stan, we're going to shoot your mill just to secure you. And we're going to do the paperwork. We're going to guarantee you at least a 1.5 each day for three-day Comic-Con. Really? So he made 1.5, don't mean to interrupt. So he made $1.5 million each day of Comic-Con, Comic-Con for, those, for those three days. We had 150,000 people there. To get in was like $300 per ticket per day. It was like $1,500 just to walk in the door. And everybody walks in, it was averaging five to 10000 that they were spending. I would never, th- I mean, I know comic yeah. books. <laughs> yeah. Things like that, or you know, there's some that are worth buku money, you know. But just even for like for Stan Lee, I can see that being because he's a big piece of what I would think comics would even stand a huge for. Huge piece, right? You, you saw what the Black Panther just. Did. I mean, uh, you know, uh, um, I believe uh, it was you know, 180 million. 180 first million weekend. for first week. Yeah, exactly. Black Adam and everything exactly. else. Yeah, that Stan Lee creation. He started that. That's got to be crazy, man. Yeah. Just to even think back on it, like. You know, this man had a vision back then, and then just for people like you today, he loved just to even have a chance to even work with him, man. That's like as goat status of of the comic game or anything of that type of nature. He is that guy. There's nobody bigger. Yeah. Ever. Well, we've talked enough about Stan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shout out to Stan. You know, I got love for Stan, no but doubt. I'm here to talk about you, love, man. Let I like to dive into this one, man. I like to start it with, you know, where where'd you grow up, man? Like, where'd you, well, where'd you from? Well, I'm from, my family are immigrants, first of all. My dad came here as an immigrant from Antigua, Barbados, you know, the Caribbean. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, yeah, all yeah. he wanted to do was give us a better education, right? Right, so right. I had five sisters, three brothers, and, you know, we grew up primarily in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an interest in uh, childhood. Something happened to me when I was about eight years old. It changed the course of my life forever. You want to hear about it? I'm all ears. Okay. 
I'm all ears. I <laughs> hey, man, you take your time, man. Oh, Even okay. if you lose some of it, we got to double back on it. I ain't got no problems with got that, you, man. No problem. This okay. is me and you. This, hey, don't even think of the cameras even being here, man. We just having us a conversation. No, of course, no doubt. Uh, I was about eight, nine years old. I met mm. two girls. They were living directly next door to me, right? Mm. One was a black one, was a white chick. Mm. I used to watch them every day. They used to leave early in the morning and come back late at night. Mm. So I said, excuse me, what are you going to do? Because I see y'all leaving and coming and going. We, we are producers. I said, what are you producing? I said, we're doing this TV show called Wonderama. That was my favorite show when I was growing up. Right. It was a live TV show that came on every Sunday. Can you break it down for me a little bit? I'm not familiar okay. with it. Okay. This is a show called Wonderama. The host was a guy named Bob McAllister, right? At that time, he was like, you know, your Jay Leno. You know, he was like a daytime type of okay. guy, like a okay. Wayne Brady. But okay. he, had, he had the number one show on Sunday. It was a live TV show. So every Sunday that show came on, he would call one of the kids. The kids would come down. Uh, what's the name of this bird on Sesame Street? If you answer it, you pick a prize. You just won, right? Wow. Yeah, right? So tickets, you can even get tickets. The waiting list was like five years. Just yeah, right. Seriously, the waiting list was five years. Worse than this, Section 8. Worse than Section 8. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. A five-year waiting list, right? Right. So I got three tickets. They offered me one at first. I said, you know what? Thank you, but I can't take one. I have two sisters. They definitely have to. Okay, we'll get you three tickets. They got me three tickets. They drove us down. When we get to the set, we walk, we walk, we park, we pass by this line, a bunch of kids. I'm like, look at all the kids. I'm really yeah. observing, right? Right, right, right. There was not one black kid in that line. So when we got off, when we parked the car, we got on the line, we were all in the back of the line. So it looked, so somebody driving by looked like a, you know, slavery never ended. Because yeah, we were, whites first. <laughs> in the exactly, right? I understand, so I understand. I'm like, okay. So we finally walk inside. I hear a voice. I said, hold up. That's Bob McAllister. That's the host of Wonder Hey, I'll be right back. I ran right up to Bob. I said, hey, Bob, you're the best host on TV. You love your show. He said, he looked like he was in the jam because he had like four or five other execs around I'm him. Sure, it was a they lot were chewing him out. Yeah. But I just, I didn't care about that. I was like eight, nine years old. Yeah, First time Bob on McCallister. the set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm walking around. Bob, love your show. You're the best yeah. host on TV. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here to win something. I'll be over here. I ran back over. Get over here. Are you crazy interrupting people? My older sister chewing me out for leaving, right? Bob finally calls me. He brings me down to the set. It's my moment. Uh, what's the name of the burden? Sesame Street. When I was a kid, I never watched TV. I only watched TV when I was watching the commercials. I used to turn down the show and turn up the commercials, right? What was that? Because my mind was on the commercials because they were selling things. I wanted to see what they were selling. Oh. I was interested in marketing at a young age. Yeah. Didn't quite know it yet, though, right? Right. So I said, oh, uh, Big Bird, I read my sister's lips. Right. And he said, you know what? You're right. Big Bird. Pick any prize. You know, I have five sisters and two brothers. It was like eight of us. Mm. That bikes over there. We only had one bike amongst us. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take this wow. hat over here in this box that made no sense to everybody. I said, well, take the magic hat. I'm taking the magic hat. I took the magic hat home because the magic hat was this guy with a cape on, with a wand over this hat, and things start flying out, money, bikes. So in my mind, I thought it was real. And when I get home, I'm going to make a bike for everybody in the family. <laughs> you idiot. This is not real. It was a commercial. It's fake. It's not real. It was, it's just what you, I didn't find it funny because I'm like, that was something that yeah. he wanted to change. You know, you being a child well, and you like, yeah, I can get this one bike, but if I get this magic trick, I can make bikes for everybody. everybody. If I was your parent, I probably, you wouldn't have seen it, but I probably would have broke down later on that mm -hmm. night. Just knowing that's why you did it. Yeah. You know, yeah. because obviously we're not having that much. Exactly. Continue. So that was, that was my mindset. So. Long story short, man, I finally went to sleep around quarter to three in the morning. I'm waving the wand over the hat, trying to create magic. I'm like, this thing's not working. <laughs> so I'm like, I finally fall asleep, and uh, I'm on the bus stop. I'm like, getting the bus. Earl, 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 I saw you. I saw you on Wonderama. I'm like, this is a live TV show. Everybody saw me on Wonderama. So when I finally arrived at school, Miss Sheriff, I don't have my home. Oh, Earl, sit down. You're like one of my favorite students. 
how could I be one of your favorite students? You just had me in the dean's office last Wednesday. <laughs> what? Right, right. She said, Earl? After she said, good morning, boys and girls. Good morning, Ms. Chef. Earl, stand up and tell the class, how did you get tickets for Wonder Run? We tried. We know one of the producers. Nobody could get tickets for this show. They would not give tickets out. How did you get three tickets? Because I saw your two sisters in there. I said, yeah, I know uh, two of the producers. They gave me tickets. Actually, next season, Bob want me back on again because I was a big winner. So what? So all of a sudden, Ms. Sheriff was being very nice to me that week. The girls are carrying my uh, books. They buy me lunch. They Whatever you want, Earl, because I was famous for that one week. Yeah. Because until the show ran again, I was that guy. Go ahead, then, young player. So the, na <laughs> the name of my book that's coming out 2023 is called Famous for a Week. And that tells the whole story about how the whole thing happened, how I met LL, how we met Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons when, you know, Rick was student at NYU and Russell was, you know, that guy in house that got, got you whatever you needed. Russell was that guy. When you were, and I just want to ask this, and we, we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about Russell. We're going to talk about LL Cool J. We're going to get to them in just a second. But I have to ask you, man, like, when you were that age, did you ever think that you were going to make it to where you at today? Like, just even being able to meet some of those people, LL Cool J and people like that. Like, when you were young, did you say, hey, this is where I'm going to be? Well, I was, I, was, uh, I was talented in my own right before I even met. Uh, well, Let's talk I, about I that. I had a situation going. I was about 12 years old, 13. I think I was just turned 13, maybe 14. Walking down the street, and this white guy pulls up to me in this really nice car. I'm like, oh, it's a really nice car. He said, hey, man, you want to make some money? I said, doing what? <laughs> right, said, right. He said, uh, just hand out some flyers. I said, come on. Uh, what kind of money are you talking about? He said, well, I'll give you like 200 bucks if you hand like three, 400 flyers. 200 bucks? Come on, bro. I'm quoting 200 bucks. If you're talking some real money, I'm interested. What do, you, what do you have in mind? I said, well, why don't we do this? I could put together 1,000 kids in Queens, 1,000 in Brooklyn, 1,000 each borough. We have five boroughs in New York. So I could put 5,000 kids together. We could hit your, uh, your flyers twice a week, right? He said, okay, cool. Let, let me get, give me a number. I said, I got a beep for you, right? Take my beep <laughs> number down and uh, get back at me, right? So, Back in the day, you used to be on your beep like anybody beep you, hitting mm -hmm. the light to see if anybody's beeping you. Nobody's mm -hmm. beeping you just to show that you have a beeper. You know? Yeah, you used to be able to spell shit on the, with the numbers exactly. sometimes. Exactly. Turn it upside down. <laughs> there you go. You, yeah. Know, yeah. you know, right? Yeah. So uh, he beats me back and been talking. He said, yo, man, I'm going to give you some money to do 5000 like you said, man. So I started the street team with a guy named Peter Gation. For those that don't know, Peter ran the nightlife in New York City. He had the tunnel the limelight, and the palladium. The tunnel, that's the ultimate hip-hop spot. Was he like a socialite, is what you would want to call him? He was the club owner. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Lighty, you know Chris Lighty's from Never Miami. heard of him, but just to like hear like his job description, like what he does, he's yeah. at the happening places, he keeps the happening oh, places he, going. He, he, he sound more like a, a socialite, I would want to say, in a sense, right? Like a Studio 54. These are yeah, social lights, man. Yeah, money and power. Oh, nothing but. Yeah, and I was bringing everybody. I was bringing people from the sports world, yeah. from the entertainment world, oh, man. and from Wall Street because they paid for everything. You know, and you see, they see models, their credit card comes out, and they don't even care, you know, it's a million dollars on a card, whatever you guys want to do. They'll sponsor the event. Mm -hmm. So I started bringing in the people for all his clubs early in the 80s, you know. That's why I started working for Def Jam with uh, Rick Rubin and Russell with uh, the street team that started the posters, bus stop billboards in New York, moved to Philly, then moved across the country. Yeah. You know, I think about it, right? Because like money back then, like people making money, like it really went a long way back in oh, the 80s. Big, big time. Oh, big time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like today, you don't really, you can't really buy shit no. with a hundred no. bucks like that. I mean, not nothing that you can really use. That's <laughs> yeah, like ten dollars, right? I mean, it's just yeah. to, just to think about when like somebody says like, man, I made a lot of money back in the eighties, man, oh, like eighties, yeah. early nineties. I touched a bunch of yeah. it, man. You can really believe them because their shit really did go a long way. It did because you know? everything was costing much less. You know, yeah. So money stretched. Yeah. How do you? Um, how did you even get caught up with? How'd you even run into like your experience with LL Cool J? Let's start with him first. How'd you run into him? I met Todd 
Ahmed Todman. I was I had a mini bike and a little mini studio in my garage. My mini bike was kind of fast, so what mm. I used to do, everybody wanted to ride. I said, okay, you can get a ride, but it's gonna be it's gonna cost you five dollars to go one time around the block. So each person that rode, they gave me five bucks. So at the end of the day, I had everybody's money in my pocket, and I still had my bike. So that's how my brain has always worked. Right. So Todd came up. He wanted to ride. I said, you look kind of short. Why don't you get on the back? We'll go around for free. He said, all right, cool. We ran on the block, and uh, we started talking. I'm like, this guy's interested. How old were you guys around this time? 11, 12 years old, 13. Oh, my God. You guys known each other since kids. It was kids. Yeah. Kids, man. Kids, I mean. Uh, every kid wanted to be Run DMC and Curtis Blow. We were like, who, who's going to be Run DMC? We had some pretty good rappers in the neighborhood, but I'm like, nah, you guys ain't cutting it. There's right. nobody here yet. When I heard him spit, I heard him again. Must have took a drink of water like that when you said, hey, do it I again. I seen his work <laughs> ethics. I seen his work ethics. Yeah. That was the key. His work ethics was the key. You saw this shit in 11? Yeah, man. Damn. Yeah, because he had he had it in one way, and I had it the other way on the marketing side. Knowing mm -hmm. how to get the word out. Mm. So when we met Rick Rubin and Russell, and when they had the label, I had to take all the flies at night and do the street team and, and get the uh, you know posters, signage with Def Jam all over New York City. I mean, I had a thousand kids in each borough. You know what's what's dope about that, love is you know, back then, and I've said this shit before, man, it is just crazy, like, how it comes back around. Like, everything back then was really word of mouth. You had to, like, get out there, post yeah. that shit. Yeah. You had to go put it up in different neighborhoods. People had to see it. People had to know about it. As of for just right now, <laughs> click of a button, it's to everybody. 10 million people, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not no real manpower anymore. You don't got to go put yeah. the manpower and the man hour in for yeah. it to go put these these posters up. So I know that shit had to be something, especially going to neighborhoods that probably didn't mess with you as much, you know? Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I actually like the old way better because you touch people, you reach people, you meet people. I'm a people person at the end of the day. So uh, this way, you know, I'm really good also. We did one of the early YouTube deals in 2002. So I understand both ways, but yeah. I still like the other way better. Why is why would that be for you? Why would why would you like the older style of you know uh, no. born again footballers? Everybody's on foot, <laughs> moving. Everybody's posting things. Everybody's putting stuff up all throughout the communities and cities. Versus today, you've gotten to see just a click of butt. No, it, no, I, I like the older way better. But from a business standpoint, mm -hmm. I'd rather this way because I I'm agree. cutting deals right now overseas in Asia. And, you know, some people that I'm talking about, they've never been to China before. So, or they've never been to Japan before. Or they've never been to uh, Tokyo, Taiwan before. none of them things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm cutting deals over there that, wow, you know, that's the market. Because the minute the pandemic happened, what do we need first? The mask. China, okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Come on. You can talk oh, about it. So, so, so for me, uh, I've had a great success uh, in Asia, Japan, bringing Stanley over there, and I have a video game company that I'm working with uh, in Japan as well as China. Yeah. Yeah, so both is... Uh, That's cold, man, to have that going on for you, especially for video games, man, yeah. because them shits sell like hotcakes. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's be real, yeah. especially if you got something that's exactly. in, yeah. that oh, yeah. kids want, man, they're gonna yeah. eat the shit up. But I just, I never understood neither though, love, is how, you know, they, they put these games like kind of out of reach for children. Are you gonna put it to where, you know, a kid can actually save up a couple bucks and actually go get the game? Or is it gonna be out of reach to where, you know, it's only solely up to the parents? Uh, my game is gonna be totally free, first of all. I'm not charging for my game at all. Mm. <laughs> okay, so I'm going one better than what you said. I don't want no that money from me. you at all. It's yeah. going to be free download. It's in your phone. You can play. You can win things without spending a dime. And we're also going to teach kids how to make the app for the game. We have an after-school program that's going to hit seven cities. We have a building in each city donated to us from the mayor's office. And we have Apple. We have other big companies bringing in computers and the whole nine to teach kids not just how to play the game, but how to make the app with Unity or Unreal so you can create your own game so you can make your own money if your game is good on your wow. own. Wow. Okay. Wow. Back to, back to LL. Yeah, back to LL. And your 
relationships with him. Obviously, you guys have been friends since kids, you know, and he is a, a what I would want to say a music mogul. You yeah. know, he no he definitely um, has set has imprinted himself on the hip hop game. You know what I'm saying? Just the whole the, the rap game period. You know, from just back in the day. You said when you made him rap one more time, you said, "Man, let me hear that again." And he he spit it for you, man. Where did y'all go from there? Where was it for him? Was it up for him, or did it just, did it fizzle out for him and he came back? Uh, no, we were kids at that point. At that point, we were just trying to make songs. We were trying to find different producers, mm. just trying to figure out what we were going to do, how we were going to do it. Because even after we came up with uh, the very first song, which was I Need a Beat, it shopped it around. The labels just get out of here. This stuff is not going to last. Peter, you guys are nuts. It's like, you know, Run DMC and Curzbo's luck is going to be over soon. We're not interested. I mean, we heard everything. And uh, so they were saying pretty much that this is, so they pretty much treated hip hop rap like, a fad, like it'll burn out. It'll, oh, it'll, be, it'll be over in two weeks. It'll be, it'll be over, over in two weeks. weeks. Y'all don't need to two worry weeks? about it. You guys you better get jobs. <laughs> okay, let me give you this application. You guys gonna need jobs in a minute. Wow. This is not gonna work. Nobody thought it was gonna work. Nobody. I mean, nobody thought it was gonna work. I mean, not. I'm talking about outside people, business people. Uh, there was black professionals in our neighborhood. And these guys were multimillionaires. Yeah, man, put up a million. Oh, man, that stuff be over in two weeks, man. You better, you better get a job at that country club, man. Don't these slow and stop talking about some rap shit. Rap shit. Wow. Ain't gonna happen. Yeah. You were around for the start of things. Uh, we were there. We laid the first brick. Wow. How did you, how did you, and uh, how, how is, how are, how is, however, the relationship with you and LL today? Oh. Uh, well, uh, I don't really speak to him that much. I, I mean, we see each other out. I, I'm, you know, we see each other out. You know, I'm I'm in my own space. He's doing his thing. Uh, we we text once in a while. We talk, but I don't. You know, we don't really you know talk, rock like that. What do you think changed the relationship from your um, from your perspective, from your opinion? It don't have to be a fact. Just your opinion. No, just you my know? opinion. Yeah. What do you think changed uh, the relationship? It's not about you know. If you're not, we were together like for a long time every day, right? Then I got shot in 1989. I don't know if you know, know about that, but I got shot eight times in New York City. Hopefully, I hope we're about to get ready to talk about this publicly. <laughs> for real, come on, man. Let's lead to this point. This is where I want to be, right here. Yes. Yeah, right. So, yeah. I was aware, though. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. I, I, got, I got shot. I was in the hospital for three years. It was Three years. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time. It was. I had two major operations. You know, I was. I came out the hospital, went back in, a double barrel colostomy. I got shot eight times: back, leg, chest, arm, stomach, hip, ankle, groin. Right. Um, I was in the hospital. The minute, the minute it happened, you know, I, I hit the ground. I, I, I was running. These guys try to rob me. It's a long story. I want to get into that. No, let, let, can we? Let, because that that leaves the viewer. Hungry. Okay, we can get into it. We don't no want to leave them hungry like we're, oh, he's about to get into it. And then just like, okay. I, I would like to know. You want to know? Okay, no yeah, problem. We, we got time. No man. problem. Okay, cool. Come on, we got no, time. Take no your problem. time. So long story short, we decided to take the night off from the studio. So we all did our own things. We've been grinding, making different songs. This was between I'm Bad and Walking with a Panther. This is 89, right? Summer 89. So... We took, we took the night off. We took the we took the night off, and uh, I decided to go out to Long Island with these two dudes from around my way. So we went go out to Long Island. One of the guys get into like a little riff with this chick, so he kicks a car. I'm like, Yo, what do you kick a car for, bro? Come on, you'll be kicking people's car. Come on, man. That nonsense. Let's just let's just go. But things like that happen. Cause I'm not that type of person. You know what I'm saying? So. It was a conflict. I'm like, I ain't come out here. I just came out here to have a good time. If it's not gonna be that, I can go back to, to New York and do my own thing. You know what I'm saying? So we, we went back to the second spot in Queens in South Jamaica called The Scene. It was right on Guy Brew on Boulevard and Basie, right next to Basie Houses. This is where Nicki Minaj is from, right? Basie Houses. But this is 89. She's, yeah. Right. Right? She so, was a baby at the time. Uh, exactly. She's two, three, you know, Understood. something like that, Understood. right? Understood. So, uh, we parked the car, we walked across the street. I'm in the middle. 
You know, I got jewelry on. This is my ju- my wild jewelry days. I'm playing yeah. that one. I think a lot of people back there in 89 oh, had a lot of chunky jewelry. jewelry. Eric, yeah. Yeah, the big pieces. And there was all a that. style. It was a piece yeah. of the culture. Exactly, right? So three guys roll up. Yo, motherfucker, yo, eat. Yo, 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 run your shit. Yo, run your shit. I ain't had my hoodie, my hat on. You know, I had a, had a hoodie on, right? So but my hoodie came off. He said, oh, shit, let's see you out. I said, oh, shit, yo, that's, I don't give a fuck. Man, run your shit, motherfucker. Run your shit right now. I'm going to pop you. So I took off my watch. I held it over here. He reached to grab it. I pushed the gun away from my face. I made a run for it. So he started letting off crazy. I mean, I mean, it was like 30 shells all over the floor. I got hit like eight times, right? So I'm running, got my arms bloodied up, chest is open up, chest is open up, stomach. Like, I know my leg was broken at that time. I could feel it. So I'm, I'm still flying, right? Because it's either I run fast or I'm going to be killed, right? So I got hit a couple more times. Then the cops came. They were, the, the priest is right around the corner from the spot, bro. I mean, look, you could walk there. Cops were just running around the corner because they heard gunfire from, what the hell? Somebody let, are they, like, they ran around, oh, shit. Guys jumped into an ambulance with the lights on and flee, fled. One of the guys was working for the EMS. You know, that was his side hustle, you know. Is to get away with the ambulance, you know, lights on. Yeah. Everybody move aside. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. That's the, that's the robber right there, right? right. So they got away, and uh, I'm I'm in the hospital. Yeah, and uh, I'm I know at that point in time when I'm in the ambulance, I'm like, look to the ground to my left, the whole floor is full of blood, my blood. Okay, I'll probably bleed out. Look to my right, so my pops at that time he was already dead. It was half of him. So he said, he just had his hand like this. So I kept trying to reach his hand. Kept moving my hand back. I mean, he kept moving his hand back, kept trying to reach his hand. So the EMS guy pushed my hand down and strapped me down. Cops asked me, describe the guys. I finally passed out. When I wake up, it was about two, three days later. I was in the hospital. I was in uh, surgery for about 44 hours. They had to get two different teams going back and forth. They said, no, 26 hours. My foot. I was in there for like 26 okay. hours. Okay. Yeah, I was going back and forth, back and forth. Two teams. I said, he's breathing, but barely. I don't know if he'll be on last. This is, I mean, we, 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 we guinea picked him. You know what I'm saying? So, did you hear them as you were laying there? Like, did you hear them talking? No, I was out. I was, was out. out. The only thing I felt was somebody going like this, somebody making a, like this on my forehead. It was a cross, right? I woke up. My hand was strapped down. My leg was strapped down. I had a tube in my mouth, tube in my nose. I couldn't talk, right? Saw LL, saw my mother, saw Russell, saw my sister, and I saw the priest right in front of me holding my leg, giving me my last rice. I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> this, fuck I'm not going, going out like this. This is not happening. Right, right. So right. I just calmed it down. I, I didn't stress <laughs> out. But I just calmed it down. Took it all the way down. So, um... Every day, that was the day I was supposed to go. So I kept getting stronger and stronger. So they finally told, took two by my nose and my mouth after. And I'm like, yo, my leg is killing me. My leg was broken severely. It snapped. It went straight, straight through the bone. It was in pieces like that, right? So that was the process just to make it back out of that situation. Everybody was around while it happened. As the recovery took, I mean, this was, it took me four years to get back on my feet. So, you know, people, you know, the guy's busy. You know, he's in the man. I mean, he was hot. At the, I mean, he was really hot at that time. You know, he's in the man. Did you feel like you would, um, did you feel like there was a point that you probably wouldn't walk again or you felt like you wouldn't have, you know, any chance of just regular life again because you didn't got hit all these times, legs I, I never broken? Doubted. Never doubted. Never doubted. Not, not one day. Never doubted. No. That's crazy. Not one day. Never doubted. Spent years in the hospital. Brian. Yeah, three years, to be exact. Three years, oh, yeah. years at, at that point to be in the uh, hospital. Nineteen ninety, uh, they they said you're not healing. You're just not healing at all. Uh, we want to give you something and, and see what happens. Yeah. We got to put a needle in your neck, and I have to stay in your neck, and you can't use the bathroom. You can't even get up to use the bathroom. You have to put a catheter back in you. And you know, you're, fucking we, we, we can roll you over, 
and you can go to the bathroom, but you can't even get up because the needle has to stay still. You can't move at all. What so was I, this needle for? It was, they, they were giving me this new drug called CBD. You know what CBD is? Yeah. Okay. I was one of the first person in New York to be given CBD medically. Wow. 1990. Okay. So they've had CBD around for quite some time, these concentrations. Way before 1990. Way before 1990. Yeah. But wow. I was one of the first to be given that in New York City. CBD and THC, they gave it to me in the TPN needle in my neck. Stay still, needle. 30 days at a time. 30 days at a time. Mm -hmm. could, move, could not move. And you couldn't days. move? Could not move. Do you feel I, like I, it, I it, it brought, it, pre, it preserved that life back for you? It put you back on, oh, on your uh, game? Well, uh, there's two things that I know for sure worked. It was the CBD, THC. It was infused with THC, by the way. It just wasn't straight CBD. Right. CBD and THC infused. And then also was getting CMOS. I don't know if you're familiar with CMOS. CMOS, yeah. CMOS, yeah. I am. I, I, was I see people do the CMOS gels and things yeah, like that, right? So it's bullshit. That's BS. Is it bullshit? Talk about it. Love. Let's the do real it. CMOS go to Alkaline Farms, A L K A L I N E Farms, alkalinefarms.com, and you'll see the real CMOS. You can buy from that, right, from that site right there. That is the real deal. That comes from the Caribbean. The water is different down there. Everything is different down there. It really works. Mm. Yeah. So you felt like it worked for you when they put you through this rehabilitation? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. What was life like coming out of the, out of, uh, the hospital after being in there for three years? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, uh, I had a panic attack the third day because I, I couldn't believe I was out of that place. Uh, I literally had a panic attack. I had to go back, and they medicated me, and I stayed there for two days, and then they came back home. but. It, it was rough, bro. I mean, that was uh, the roughest thing. But, you know, uh, I'm a trooper at the end of the day. Uh, nothing really gets to me. I wrote a script while I was actually in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I wrote a script the, while I was actually in the what hospital. What was the script? Uh, man, it was... Come on, let's talk uh, about it. It's, it's, it's all right. And don't be yeah. looking at it like kind of yeah. like, it, oh, it was kind of dumb. It was kind of dumb. Yeah, blunts and, it was called blunts and stunts. Yeah. Yeah, it was called Blunts and Stunts, right? You know? I mean, this is a long you time know, ago, thing was, man. I have a lot of comedians in there that was early. Now they're, now they're household names. I caught everybody early when they were, like, doing shit for free. Yo, man, I'll just show up and do it. I got um, uh, some more more, and I got two other comedians where they're on Def Jam Comedy. They're doing the comedy circuit right now, yeah. So I got some people actually with names now, but early. So it was kind of like a, you know, like a homeboy shooter movie with a camcorder type of thing. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the guys that, that was the lead, he, had, he was from the music business, and, you know, so. We got Detroit, we, we actually sold out two days in a row in Detroit. Yeah, so we did good. How was it, man, to hook up with the infamous Russ? Russell, man, how was that like, man, for you, man? Well, you know, at that time, he yeah, I on him damn self. By the oh, way, man. Russell's beyond. I mean, he's 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 the Barry Gordy of hip hop. I mean, yeah. He's shout the guy. out Russell Simmons, man, for uh, real, Russell's, man. Russell's the guy. Shout out lot. Russell Simmons. Learned a lot from Russell. You know, we had some great times with Russell. But there was one time where Russell was really wrong, and that was one of my uh, best stories with Russell. Was when we was like, Russell, you got to hear this song. We made it last night. It's a hit. He said, Oh yeah. He heard it. He says, the worst fucking song I ever heard in my life. <laughs> he said, you guys turned me. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Play that again? <laughs> this is a piece of shit. Are y'all crazy? I need love. He said, I need. No, 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 no. Mm -mm, no, you're not putting that shit out. No. He didn't want to put it out. So you went back. <laughs> so the song with LL Cool J, I Need Love, yeah, which is man. an iconic yeah. hit yeah. today. I yeah. mean, a lot of people know that. If you don't, you might want to go get on it just to have it in your in your music, just in your music bank, you know? So you're telling me he turned down the song, I Need Love. He didn't like it at first. When he first one, he, he hated it. Wow. Took him a couple days, and he said, okay, I see, where you, I see where you're going with it. I understand the concept. But, I mean, coming off them hard songs, I need love. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a hard one. Okay. That's what you want to do. You sure about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we dropped it and did what it did, you know. But he was like, man, I, I didn't see that one. No problem. Yeah. But I feel like 
that's where it takes a different dynamic because, okay, we could rap about the hard stuff. We could rap about the cars, the clothes, yeah. the money. You know what I'm saying? But we can also sing to the chicks. See, of to course. me, that's catering to a different crowd. Oh, yes. Not every chick wants to listen to the gangster <laughs> shit all, all the time. time. You it's know like, what I'm bro, saying? You got to so, bring some different. <laughs> you know, and and I'll be real with you. Yeah. Us as men, we yeah. don't really buy shit. But yeah, the girls, exactly. they'll buy that shit. And you'll buy they'll four buy of them. every exactly. motherfucker. Yeah. she be like, I'll buy four of them for exactly. you. Right? Exactly. I can't buy exactly. that shit. Like, they're supported. It's just yeah. a little difference, you know? Yeah. So when you got the girlies on your side, man, you got some power. Oh, man, you got the girls inside, you got the guys inside. Because the guy's not going to go if the girl's not there. If the girl's there, the guy's, the guy's going to follow. That's just how it goes. Yeah. What happened the uh, first week that song came out, man? What, was your, what do you remember? And it, it hit the airwaves, and motherfuckers was feeling it. They was oh, digging. Man. I mean, that was that was a good week. We was we was doing some, we, was, we just came off tour. I think we was doing some uh, scatter dates, and uh, dropped. It was like, yo, this thing is. Just, I mean, it, they kept playing like nonstop. I'm like, wow. I mean, the, the airplay was crazy because there was really no phones there. You know, like today. We, I mean, every, so everybody heard. Everybody was counting their radios. You know, we only had Walkmans at that point, so. Yeah, right. it was a different time, and yeah. uh, you just heard it throughout the, the train when you just was on different trains in different boroughs, like, you get on a different car, somebody's banging out radio bells off. That shit gives me the chills, like, though, like, just to hear, like, no, you get to see people playing my music versus the only way I can see, even with an interview, if I do an interview that's 1.4 million views, that's all I see, is that it did 1.4 million. It's not people walking up the street, man, people in the fucking mall, like you just see people watching your shit, listening to your shit, like, you know what I'm saying? So to just know that it was more organic, that's a hell of a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Is to be standing on the block, you walking out from grabbing an orange juice, maybe in a sticky bun or something, man, it's early morning, and motherfucker coming down the street in his BMW on some exactly. gold BBS's exactly. drop top, and he's playing this shit, yeah, you know what I'm saying? All day long, brother. That, that, that shit hits differently, man. Big time, man. That shit's exactly. got to hit differently. Big time, big time. You you ju you just described the scene. You know what I'm man. saying? Cause I know them them times. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like motherfuckers don't really know, man. You yeah. know, it's a it's just it's just a different time yeah. than it is today, man. People oh, man. people are getting on e love from so much different shit, so many different types of genre of fuckery and just. Yeah. They put it because it's on camera and a couple of fucking people agree with, oh, that's style, that's exactly. fashion, exactly. that's music. I hate where it's, yeah, where it's just... went, man. I love music too much, and they can't call me old to say, because I love rap. Yeah. I, I've loved yeah. all that, man. I've, I've watched it from the Tupacs, the Biggies, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Just shit like that yeah. coming up, man. I'm throwing up West Side as a kid and don't even know what it is. Definitely. I'm seeing Tupac doing it. No doubt, no doubt. I see Tupac doing it in videos. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or doing it on the front yeah. of his album exactly. cover, and I'm playing it, so I'm exactly. throwing up the same <laughs> shit. All day long. You know what no I mean? Doubt, so yeah. I, I love I love music. I just don't love where some of it is went. The, the today. direction. Yeah, what's yeah, your yeah. what's your opinion on you know you being a, a hip hop icon putting together man man working with some of the best? What's your opinion on where music is at today? From where it's came from to today? You feel um, like it's gotten stronger? Or do you feel like it's fell to the wayside? We won't even call it weak because I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? But just do you feel like it's fell to the wayside? Uh, you know, every, you know, back in, back when we started off, every artist had their own direction. They had their own sound. They sound different. LL did not sound like Dougie Fresh. Dougie mm. Fresh did not sound like, like uh, Rakim. Rakim did not sound like Run DMC. Every artist had their own sound. Every group had their own sound because the producer was the DJ in the group. Uh, the minute the label started using various producers to produce different artists, that's where the, the business went haywire to me when uh, they started in that direction. I think they should have just kept the in-house where the producers, where the group produced their own music themselves, and everybody would keep their sound. Now everybody sounds like a combination of Lil Wayne, the baby, and and Lil Durk, you know what I'm saying? Every, no. They, they all, everybody out now that just came out, they sound like a combination of those three. I'm like, some of the songs is cool, some of the songs are like, eh, you know. 
That's cool. I mean, some artists, I'll, some, I'll check for some of the new artists. I'll, I I'll used to love Young Dolph. That was my dude, you know. Yeah. You know, Young Dolph. That's a beast, my, man. My, my Young dude, Dolph, man. No Real doubt. shit. Yeah, it was pretty tight. I like Project Pat. He's one of my favorites. Even, even love like, Project yeah. Pat. <laughs> oh, man. Love Project <laughs> Pat. For sure, Project man. Project Pat's my man, bro. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Just listen to a lot of 3 Six Mafia. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Three, Him six. being, you know what I'm saying? Just even messing around yeah. with them. You know, yeah. I'm... That's how I th- I've even got introduced to Project Yeah, Man, was through them back in the day. I think it was a 3-6 Mafia album, When the Smoke Clears, if I'm not mistaken. Could be wrong. Don't quote me, motherfuckers. Yeah. I get on your ass. Okay. <laughs> but my man BG, that's my boy right there. Yeah. He'll be home soon. And, uh, you know, I did a couple of joints with him and my four-yard kid up in, up in the D. Shout yeah. out to the D. What yeah. year you feel like it changed, though? What year did you see? And I know this is kind of the same question, but just diving in a little bit more. What year did you feel like it was like, this shit's getting watered down? 90 to 94. That early? Yeah, that early to me. I'm like, this wow. is, this is. You threw me they, for a loop with that they one. Going, they going, they fucking up, man. They fucking up. I'm like, it's not the same, bro. Y'all, y'all, it's not the same. I know, I know what's going on. It's, it's, it's a lot of the business. Behind, before you see the business, the business exists, and uh, it's a lot of behind the scenes shit. But you know, that's a whole nother story by itself. Uh, I think between ninety and ninety four, in my mind. Do you, did you see relationships changing around then? Oh, everything changed around that time, bro. I mean, uh, things changed. Even though it, it may have been on paper, it's still changing. <laughs> you know, when you have to go get an attorney file, file that lawsuit. But yeah. Um, for me, I've always just been focusing on what I could control, what I only control. That's why I hate. I mean, once in a while, I'll, uh, somebody will hire me to direct a film or a, 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 like the uh, documentary that I'm doing right now called Modern Slavery. Uh, that's another story. Where will this myself. be dropping? Where, huh? can we, where can we find this oh, when it comes uh, out? Uh, I'm not sure. I have a situation with Netflix and Bravo. I'll go back and forth to see who does the best situation. Best so, contract, pretty the much. The best contract. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trust me. You will I'm hear about it. I'm not bad at that, man. It's called Modern I'm Slavery. I'm not bad at that. Uh, this is a very serious situation right out here. Right, and It's happening right in front of your faces, and you don't even see it. You have to be a part of the system to see it. Yeah. But we are paying for everybody that pays taxes is paying for daily. What was for this movie? Is this a documentary or movie? It's a documentary. Okay. It's a humanitarian crisis taking place at Monterey Park at the Children's, the Children Court Center in Monterey Park, California. It's about 30 minutes away from downtown Los Angeles. And uh, they're snatching kids at a crazy rate, mainly black and Latino kids. And it's a humanitarian crisis. Nobody's getting trials, and the due process of law has been eroded, and uh, it's like a bunch of Republicans is running the show down there, and they're snatching kids. We we have rescued about 350 kids, me, meaning me and my partners, in the last 12 years without going to court, and uh, there's a documentary that tells the whole story about how much money they make, how much money they pay the lawyers, and how much the profit side, this is, when you see them build a prison that holds 50,000, trust me, they're gonna fill it. <laughs> they already have a plan to fill it. They're just not building space. It's empty today, five years is full tomorrow. Mm. They build it because they know they're gonna arrest a certain amount of people and they're gonna plead you out until you get tired and you'll do time. A lot of people gotta understand, like, a lot of, Okay, so we're gonna talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, a lot of black, Latino men. You know, even myself. Even when I've went to jail, I didn't know my fucking rights. I didn't know my rights. I didn't know what I could do, exactly. what I couldn't do. You know, they run shit in in these courtrooms fast. So you know, exactly. your, public, your public defender, your public defender is just a professional handholder. Exactly. They're just hold, there to hold, hold your hand, hand until. Things or you know what I'm saying until they can get because you got to have some type of legal representation. That's what's in the law, you yeah. know. Is you, they got to give you some type of appointed uh, yeah. court appointed attorney. But in all in all, man, it's because I feel like they know that like motherfuckers don't really know they rights. 
you know, so it's easy to push it on you, even if it's some bullshit and it's, they twisted the words just to make it work in their favor. You know, they're going to pull that because they feel like they see it in your face, the way you may dress, the way you may talk, the way your body language is. Oh, he may not know the law. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of people today, man, that have I felt like uh, put that to the test real quick. Like, hold on, man. Because people are not going to stay asleep forever. People are starting to become woke. They're starting to see what's really going on here, man. When you see modern slavery, it breaks it down the way how they take the oh, kids. I hope we don't get in trouble for this yeah, shit. Mean, this, <laughs> but I, I told you, this is, you want to keep it real, we keep it all the way real, we, bro. Let's do it. No, we keep let's it all do the way it. real. And listen this, to me, I'm going to ride with you till the wheels fall okay. off. And when them motherfuckers fall off, we're going to go get FOMO. There you go. So I'm Absolutely. here with you. No Come problem, on, I'm here with you. Let's you. talk about it. Yeah, this is a real situation. They're taking, this is where the young shooters are created. They'll separate a family. They'll take two kids, put one kid in Palmdale, the other kid in Lancaster or L.A. somewhere where they know the wife can't get there because she just came out of a DV shelter because they forced in there. So they're breaking the family apart at a very early age. Uh, the young girl becomes the prostitute that you see on Figaro in 86. A girl walked up and down the street. She used to be a straight-A student. Wow. Yeah. Remember that. She was a straight-A student at one point. Wow. So now the society, the court system is is corrupted and the corruption runs deep and it's shown in modern slavery. And this will be in this documentary that it's you're going to do. Brother, this, we, that, this documentary? I just want you to know this right here is going to, it's going to ruffle them, man. You know, I, I've been feeling like, you know, it's been bad policing to police the police you know, in a lot of aspects because we've seen a lot of things that happen in a very horrific way that go unjustified almost, yeah. you know? Throwing a couple years at some of these people, man, you saw the evil in their face when it was being recorded. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. some people just didn't care when he kneeled on my man's neck yeah. like that. They told him, he can't breathe, man, yeah, what are you breathe. doing? Yeah, exactly. he, he, he didn't want to hear none of hear that. that and he and, I've, and I've, I've said this before, man, I feel like, and it's just my opinion, I feel like they need to do evaluations a little sooner than they do on people they might you know a couple years i don't really know the, the, yeah, the yeah. standards when it comes to that to when you got to go in and go get your head checked real quick you know yeah. but i feel like they need to really do better screening and, and sit down with these officers because i'm sure these officers go through some shit too they, of course, they're living of regular lives man yeah. They're living regular lives. There's some shit going on at home. You don't know what he got okay, going on at home. Exactly, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's so bringing that to the job. You're, so. you're hiring regular people yeah, to be the law. Yeah. You. We have to hope that we're making the right decision in who we give a badge to. And it's kind of hard to do that when people know how to come and just show face. They know how to just show the face for the time. And then when they go home, it was like a mask. They take it off. They set it up on the mantle. Yeah. And they're like, woof. Man, that was a long day at work. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, it is a problem, man, because there's a lot of people on the force, I feel like, that have a lot of anger issues, you know? Yeah. I've been locked up before, man. It's, and I'm, I'm just being honest, and I'm not saying for all police, because yeah, I know yeah, there's yeah, some yeah, good yeah. ones there's out there, too, man, yeah. for real. They just want to live regular, yeah, honest lives, yeah. man. They're just trying to get a paycheck and keep the community safe. Exactly. I do understand that. But then there's some that just come in that are on that power trip. Some yeah. of them may have been bullied as kids, and oh, I get man, it. Yeah, I didn't man. have my fair share of bullying. I'm sure yeah. you didn't call it. Everybody done call Caught yeah. something in yeah. their in their time, but I just don't. And I and I want the people that may be in law enforcement that may feel like this to hear me, man. Hey, let that shit go. We are all together in that. You do not have to hold that one and weigh that one on your heart by yourself, as people, man. Because we're people. No At the end of the day, you don't have to hold that shit on your heart, man. Let it go. Let the shit, let that shit go, man. I've been bullied. I'm sure you've had your fair share. We've all had our fair share. If a motherfucker even say something funny to you. Now you grow up, you become the authority. And any person that reminds you of that, you're taking certain things out on them. And I feel like you should not bring your personal problems and feelings and emotions to a workspace. Especially when it has to deal with, you know, the law and judging whether this person goes to jail or not or whatever the fuck you write on this paper. Yeah. It's bullshit, man, and I'm I'm in 100% agreement with you. I appreciate that. When it appreciate when it that. when it comes down to that, man, appreciate you know, that. and I believe that that 
that documentary when you dropped that. I'm interested, man. I can't wait to watch uh, that this one. This is the real thing. This this shows how each city is taking the kids and they're making money off the kids. Yeah. Each kid's about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. There's about seventy thousand kids that the, the city of Los Angeles and the state of California take the state of California take about seventy about sixty five to seventy thousand for the year. Each kid's about three fifty four hundred thousand. Do the math. Being in juvenile detention centers and things like that. No, the federal government give the state three three point five billion dollars for foster care. Hmm. They hire two firms. One firm has a thirty five. You know, I, I tell them. I'll, you have to watch a doc. It, get, it tells the them whole. The group homes are a big business. You know, Huge. I was coming. I was coming up, man. You know, I was going to school with a chick. I was messing around with a chick back in uh, middle school. Black and Asian chick, man, pretty girl, man. Like we, we we was cool, and I remember she stayed in a group home right up the street from where I stayed at. You know, we I used to go up over there and go see her, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And just it was just a big business, man. They would get them, them girls would get like a little allowance, mm -hmm. man, maybe a hundred and something dollars <clears throat> for the month. Yeah, you know, just to go if you want to get some shoes, you want to get a pair of pants, man. And like you said, we know shit's expensive, man. Shit yeah. never got cheaper. Yeah, shit only got more expensive. You know, so just even like dealing with them, like a lot of them, man, they were good kids. Yeah, you know, just going, fucked up situations, oh, man, for real. Time. Wanna Absolutely. be in school, yeah. wanna do, wanna live a normal life, mm -hmm. man, but just because certain situations at all, hey, man, we need some kids. And I'm starting to see that now, oh, man, because they is, throw them in these group homes, man. This is huge business. And not all them kids, like, because they say, oh, well, it's supposed to be somewhat up for troubled youth, correct? That's bullshit. That's bullshit, yeah. man. And if that's what's really going on, they're putting all this money into the child, just into the system for, uh, you know, group homes and things like that, man. That ain't no fucking future for these kids, man. We need to get them to some people, some people that care about them, not people who's just collecting the paycheck. And I'm not talking about the people that do. I get it. There's um, jobs that need to oh, be done. Absolutely. But don't yeah. we get these fucking kids out at some point in time? When do we get them out? Or is this just where we wait till they turn 18 and okay, now we cut them loose? No, those kids, that kid that was taken when he was 12 years, when he was 10 years old or six years old, the kid, the guy, he grows up in the system. He becomes the young shooter. The young shooters, they're between 16 and 27, 25, or 25 to 30, between 16 and 30 years old. That's the young. That's the kid that's shooting all the, that's doing all the shooting around the country. Look, 70% of the people in state prison right now are ex-foster kids, okay? It starts when the family's broken apart. This is what modern slavery is all about. And you feel like they target more black and Latino communities. Of course. For this, for this, for this quote unquote, let's just call it a project. You know, for this project, they, you know, they more, they more lean towards, you know, a, a shade of brown. Blacks is a small part of the population in America. We're a huge part of the population in the foster care industry. They target blacks and Latinos all day long, big time. I have about, I've talked to about 400 parents over 12 years. This was, this was a 12-year investigation that I did before I made this documentary, okay? This was 12 years of my time. Nobody paid me to do this, by the way. I had a full So you had to really care no, to do, I, I to put, do I something I put my own like money this. and time into this. Yeah, you okay? really cared. Okay, you I really didn't cared. talk about it. I didn't, I didn't write a letter about it and send a tweet out or send a text. No, I didn't do none of that bullshit. I did the real work. I hired a crew to follow me around. We, we talked about 350, 400 parents over 12 years. I heard all the stories, bro. I heard how these kids were great kids, straight A students. Now she's selling their ass on Figaro on 86, okay? There's a process. The state was creating that because they wanted her to wind up in state prison. That way we hire more correctional officers, more parole officers, more courts, more judges. We need more money from the federal government. They, they get money for this. They give the state the money. State pays everybody up, put a ton of it in their pocket, pay for their country clubs and their, and their country homes. And 
Ah, we making money off the society. <laughs> hey, you know, it reminds me of a movie, and I don't know if everybody ever, uh, it was a movie that I had saw, but it was based off those kids that from Central Park. Mm. I think the movie was called When They See Us. Yeah, when They See Us, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Mm. And it was based off them kids. They had to pay them kids. Yeah. All that money. Remember the one kid, yeah. uh, the one kid confessed to it in jail. I, I remember that. Yeah, After remember. all them yeah. years, man, I think they had, uh, they were falsely accused yeah. of, of raping a woman. And of and the the woman was of Caucasian. Yeah, and there's yeah, nothing and there's nothing wrong yeah. with like I, I love white folks, man. So this isn't nothing to like, oh, it was because it was a white woman. No. But I'm sure it did take into consideration oh, that these were a bunch of Latino and black kids that, you know what I'm saying, were involved in a white woman's raping. So, or allegedly involved because they all got out and they all got paid for it. And to be honest with you, I feel like the state of New York, my personal opinion, owed them a lot more money than just like, I think they split like 10 million yeah, between them. With some shit like that, but these kids, they did, they did time. I think the one youngster, he did the most time. And what was so crazy was, he was his friend had met up with him afterwards, and he, they came, the police came to come grab him, and he was like, "Just don't let me go by myself." He ends up going with his friend. He ends up going with his friend, and ends up getting the most time. It's crazy how that happens, man. I think the movie was called "When They See when Us." They see us. Yeah, I remember that story. That so I, I so to where I'm at with it is. I like how people have tried to like bring that to light yeah. in certain things, even if they got to put it into a document or something like that. Like, hey, this was because that was a true story. Am I yeah. correct? No, and it was. I remember that story. Uh, the woman was raped in Central Park. It was a white, it was a white woman, and there was a, a couple Latino and a couple black kids, and and they swore, you know, they were trying to say these guys are guilty from day one. They were guilty, you know, because she's white and she's happened to be in Central Park, and these are kids that happen to be in Central Park, and they shouldn't be in Central Park, in the minds of most of these people that's presuming guilt. So that actually split New York City in half. I was right there as a kid when this happened. I remember it clear, like yeah. night and day, you know, but- uh, Central Park is fucking huge. I mean- Central Park is big as shit. Yeah. And even when it was, and it was crazy because, okay, we can, we can face the fact that the kid was Latino who did rape her. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But it just goes to show they don't give a fuck. He a Latino kid, grab his ass. Yeah. It don't matter. Oh, they were snatching everybody. And it was scary because nope. the little kid even the kid even said, man, he was like, uh, yeah, after I did that, he says, I got up, I took her Walkman. Yeah. And put her Walkman on and walked off. It's, it's, it's just crazy how, like, I'm like, man, y'all got to do some better policing, man. Yeah. You can't just grab the first black kid. Okay. It wasn't, he wasn't even black. This kid was a lighter shade <laughs> of brown. Okay. Like, and y'all just went and grabbed. No, yeah, you of yeah. color, I'm grabbing you. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's, so I, I understand, E-Love. I understand where you at. I understand where you're trying to show America a piece of our true problem. Uh, this is what's going on. Uh, in the 80s, you had all these guns flood New York City. Everybody from down south was bringing all the guns. 95 North was called Steel 95 because it was steel pipeline. Everybody was bringing guns in 95. Yeah. Everybody was shooting everybody in the hood. That was called. Nothing changed till Columbine happened. When Columbine happened, April 19th, that was my sister's birthday. When Columbine happened that day, that's when it became... We gotta change the gun laws now. We're killing each other now. It finally hit. So all of a sudden they were trying to do something and they never really tried to do anything because the gun lobbyists, they finance the DNC, the RNC. You know, they give money to the RNC. So they tell the RNC, hey, you guys gotta stand down. We're not we don't keep the gun law than what it is. That's why the gun law can never make the floor of the Senate or the House. They're all Everybody in the Senate and the House, they all own stock in these steel and these gun companies. <laughs> How are you going to say, yeah, we're going to ban guns? Oh, I own stock in the gun company. Come on, just stop it, bro. It's a joke. One more question before we get out of here. You love I I love even chopping it with you because you get me, <laughs> you get me to thinking like, what's really going on, man? Like, because I think about it, but it's like, I'm my voice is one voice, but when we all come together, 
I feel like we are professionally dangerous. Absolutely. Because we can move in a different accord. You know what I'm saying? If we move as one. My last question to you is when this documentary drops, we've talked about the music. Yeah. We've talked about the people, yeah, you yeah. know. But I feel like this conversation would had yeah. a bigger purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And where we went with it. Okay. When this documentary drops, what what change do you hope to see from this or what type of what type of awakening are you looking for in this mixture to to really wake the people up? What's just one thing that you want you hope this like this really this one thing right here I know has got to wake everybody else everybody up. What are you trying to show? What are you trying to tell the people? What message are you trying to reach people with? It's time for reparation. federal government needs to pay up right now. And I feel like the truth needs no support. He love, I appreciate you for coming. Sitting I appreciate you, brother. Me, man. My man, appreciate you, hey, brother. I, I this, do, this is real. Hey, for sure, we will most definitely uh, sit down, man. You know, and just, even yeah. I'm not even, not yeah, even yeah, man, just, yeah, yeah, we yeah, sit down yeah, and we yeah, do yeah, us yeah. a dinner, man. Oh, absolutely, for I, sure. I, I fuck with you the long way. No, no problem, We're going to get sure. us up out of here. The Sharp Tank. Shark Tank. No jumper. No jumper. Sharpest, coolest podcast in the world. And we just win us for a triple-double, man. Hey, Riley, shoot us out the gym.